What up, y'all? Welcome to the Frosty Pints Gaming Podcast. I'm Gobi, and with me tonight is Dr. Nagel, the Leadness, and Omega Construct. What are you guys up to? It sounded like you said Frothy Pints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally fucked that up, but we're going with it. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so uh, I'll start off. Gears 5, technical tests. So wishing I could be in this, but not yes. going to make it. Yes! But... Looks Why like it's gonna, gonna make fun. It? Uh, because pretty much the only way in is to have the Xbox Game Pass uh, hand play on. Uh, oh wait, oh, it is open to both PC and Xbox One players. It is. Unfortunately, you still have to have the Xbox Game Pass for PC, oh. which I do not have. Oh. Yeah, I missed that part. Uh, if you have Probably. the Game Pass, on the other hand, Gears Five Open Multiplayer Stress Test starts July nineteenth. Which is so you're like the big gears nut here. I figured you would get the game pass even just for this. Yeah, I my might do a month. <laughs> <laughs> Four bucks just do a month. to play. Uh, yeah, my only problem is my internet's got to be fixed before then. Come otherwise, on, how much do your kids not going to work to eat this month? Paid. They just got to fix it so I have full speed again. Because this has speed shits for the birds. I'm with, I'm with Omega. And, uh, you, you don't need you don't need money to feed your kids. You need money to play games. Just feed one. Four dollars. Get the lunch. They're fine. Yeah, schools are handing kids out are, food these days. Kids are resilient. Write a letter and say couldn't afford to give them uh, lunch today. So please, teacher, feed my kid. You know they got to learn to forage for food sometime. Yes. A lot of public yes, libraries do, do uh, free summer lunches for kids whose <laughs> families can't afford lunches when they're not in school. This is true. It's a wonderful public service that people shouldn't take advantage of, and we shouldn't be laughing at this, but it's fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I think it's uh, also really sad how many people actually take advantage of it. But. Uh, well. I mean, it's food. It's got to be eaten. <laughs> I believe that the children are our future. Treat them well, and they yes. will lead the way. Okay. Yep. We're just skipping past. Wait. There, there's like a 45-year-old in the audience who who's laughing at that, or at least got it. I'm assuming laughing too Wait. much. Oh, you guys are slacking. Where's the random facts at? Oh, it's International Ice Cream Month. Oh, see? Oh, yeah, which this shit I saw on, like, Instagram, some lady made a video about people going around and licking ice cream and putting it back. Is that seriously a thing? Yes. It was just this, like, one girl who did it and uh, put it on Twitter or something, and then she ended up getting aww. arrested for it. Yeah, because she, oh, put, yeah, I get it. she put it on Twitter uh, with her face and her name, and surprise, surprise, <laughs> law enforcement in the area picked up on it and were like, oh, okay, well, you videoed yourself committing a crime. That's kind of our job uh, to catch people <laughs> yeah. like you. So thanks for yeah, making just, our job easy. <laughs> and just so uh, people know, if you ever get ice cream, it should always be flat against the surface of the tub because when they fill it they actually set them upside down to freeze them solid 
So the ice cream should always be settled at the top. So that's how you know if your ice cream has been tampered with. That's good advice. Excellent advice, that. But did, uh, did you know that the tallest ice cream cone was over nine foot tall? It was scooped in Italy. Holy cow. Must have been a Who huge scoop. ate it? I, don't know, I imagine that more than one person ate it, uh, but I would love to be able to say that I personally ate nine feet of ice cream. But see, I feel like that's cheating because <laughs> you said it was in Italy, so that's gelato, and gelato's extra uh, dense. No, 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 no. <laughs> not all. Okay, uh, lots of ice cream in Italy is gelato, but not all gelato is ice cream. No, not all. I, not yeah. You get what I'm saying? They have ice cream in Italy too. Soft serve. Yeah, they have Dairy Queen, don't they? Yes, they do. everybody has. Every civilized nation has Dairy Queen. Gotta have Dairy yeah, Queen. Yeah, because that's definitely one of the markers of civilization. <laughs> Dude, if you don't have that soft serve ice cream, what do you got? That's when you went from the industrial to modern age and civilization one. That's right. That's when you uh, unlocked Dairy Queen. Did you know that industrial production of ice cream began in 1851 in Boston, United States? I did not know that, but it is yet another reason why Boston is awesome. <laughs> we got to spread these facts over the podcast. We can't. I, my list is surprisingly short. There's this um, ice cream place here in the city that they're uh, claim like their their special thing is they they use this old school. Um, and by old school, I mean like literally the first version of ice cream that ever existed. And it was apparently from like uh, the Middle East area or like Egypt or something like that. And it's got like <clears throat> weird different gums and all kinds of other things. And it's like stretchy and stringy. And it's this really weird texture. And it's actually pretty phenomenal and interesting to eat. I'm going to look it up right now to find the name oh. for you. Hey. I did not know this, but everyone, the origin of ice cream, or an ice cream-like food at least, was first eaten in China in circa 680 uh, to 697 AD. King Tang of Shang had 94 ice cream men who helped to make a dish of buffalo milk, flour, and camphor. That's interesting, because I read that uh, before milk-based ice cream products were introduced in the 10th century, the summer treat was indeed made from ice. Okay, Ooh. so I found it. It's called Booza, B-O-O-Z-A. And it's made with mastic, which is a type of resin, and um, uh, salab, which is a ground orchid root. And then it makes this very dense, stretchy, almost like stringy ice cream. Is it cold? Yeah, I mean, it's frozen. It's ice cream. Well, it doesn't have cream in it. <laughs> well, no, it's it's those are in the ice cream. Like it's not only made of those two things. Oh, okay, all right, gotcha. Like those are things that are also in the ice cream that give it its stretchy, dense texture. So it's almost it other type, like a mixture between ice cream and caramel, or toffee. Yeah, yeah almost. Yeah. It's like that pretty interesting. Pretty good. That sounds delicious. It's true. Vanilla well, at least we don't have lovely. random Kiana facts tonight. 
Oh, but we do uh, have some possible <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077 uh, facts about Mr. Reeves. This is all uh, speculation, uh, and there's nothing confirmed. It was just people talking. But uh, one of the devs of Cyberpunk 2077 stated that with uh, Mr. Reeves as part of the Cyberpunk franchise, a Cyberpunk 2077 movie is much more of a possibility at this point. So there is a small hope that there might actually be a Cyberpunk 2077 movie. And if that happens, then all we have to worry about is whether or not it sucks or not. See, and that's my first instinct as well, is I've never been super impressed by movies made from video games. Now, video games from a movie, whatever. That uh, happens all the time. Sometimes they're great. Usually they're mediocre. But it's hard to take something that is, you know, dozens or even potentially hundreds of hours of content, like a massive video game, and distill that down into two hour movie a couple hours so like you're going to take something like cyberpunk which we can only imagine right now but you know imagine is going to have a deep plot that's going to deal with a lot of different things you know in this futuristic setting it's going to deal i imagine with all kinds of social issues in the future all kinds of like like you know government structure crime the economy all kinds of different shit no, what are you going to do? Like a, a two-hour action movie starring Keanu Reeves set in some you know sci-fi cyberpunk setting? Is that really going to do justice to the content? So here's here's the thing. I totally agree with you, and this is probably why Mass Effect Three or a Mass Effect movie in general has just been stalled. It's been brought up and dropped over and over again because that is a, an enormous universe with hundreds of hours of story uh, s- spread across the three games. But um, what if, just hypothetically, what if uh, there were to be a cyberpunk movie starring Keanu Reeves, as you say, that explored the backstory of his character beyond stuff that we're told in the upcoming Cyberpunk 2077 game? It's, that might, you know, you might be able to boil that down into a couple hours. You know, that actually is a good point, because the character that he plays isn't actually a, a physical character in the game. Right. He's like a projection of some cyber entity type thing. Yeah, and I don't I'm know exact details on it, but I imagine that we know, will that learn what... about him in the in the game, but yeah. But you know, mean... speaking of video game movies, one that I actually really do enjoy. Have you guys seen um was it Halo 4 Fall of Reach? Uh actually no, it's not uh... Fall of Reach. I think I know the movie you're talking about. Yeah, it was uh, Forward Unto like Dawn. A... That one. Yeah. Halo Four Forward Unto Dawn. It's yeah. a really interesting take on sort of exploring the Halo universe in a microcosm. So it doesn't try and do this sort of massive big picture that encompasses the the entire grandiosity of the franchise or the world that they make. It all happens in like one place, a microcosm of the world, one event that happens. And it's really interesting. I think it's pretty well done. So I want to see a video game movie that I actually do really enjoy. I'll I'll give that a solid recommendation. Hmm. Uh, Another, just uh, so I can argue against myself, there are times when um, even exploring a a backstory or something that doesn't take place in in one of the games doesn't go so well is uh, the last Warcraft movie, the only Warcraft movie. 
Um, uh, yeah. Did not go over well in the United States. Uh, but I was they, actually interested in watching that. They loved it in China. See, I kind of, yeah. I still kind of enjoyed it, even though I did too. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty good. But I mean, I think it's the all the law fanatics that are going that that got all bitter and twisted about it. To be honest, who's the uh, who's the the guy in there? Who's also the he plays uh, Ragnar Lothrock in Vikings? Travis, uh, something, whatever. Uh, I I recommend Warcraft. Just you know, watch it the one time, just because he gives yeah. he gives a real good performance. I enjoyed it. I still think it was it was good fun. Yeah, it is. Right, it's a fun movie. Speaking of gears, despite the and, haters, uh, <laughs> game movies. Travis the new Gears Five movie. Uh, they're going off beat. Like they're not. They're not following the video games. Like it's going to be set in the same universe, same everything, but they're not following the story of Gears of War. This is. I'm interested in hearing about this. Uh, if you know any more about it, because I I just heard that there might be a uh, a Gears movie. I didn't hear anything beyond that. Yeah, it's, I think it's cool. I thought I saw something about going to Netflix. Um, and a couple of people who wanted to play like Marcus Phoenix and stuff. Um, my vote was always for uh, Drax from. Um, oh, Dave Batista. Uh, Yes. Uh, Drax yeah, from Guardians make, of the Galaxy. Yeah, I thought he'd make a great Marcus Phoenix. Uh, I really checked up on it too much because I heard they were going a weird direction and it kind of got me leery. As much as I love him, love Gears of War, I don't want it to suck horribly. Speaking of Netflix series... Did you see the the they, they released some imagery for Net, uh, Netflix Witcher series? Oh, is that what you posted? Yes, that's I was trying the, to... that's Superman. Yeah, I was trying to remember his Ger- name. Geralt of Rivia. Henry Cavill? Henry Cavill. Yeah, yeah. So Henry Cavill has got um, some imagery up. I I. I uh, read about this a little while ago. He was posting images on his Twitter feed as him just like in cosplay. But I, I didn't know that if if he was attached to the movie yet or if the movie or the show was going to be an actual thing. Yeah, it is. That's kind of sweet. I would yep. definitely watch The Witcher. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see that. That's going to be cool. That's going to be awesome, I think. I'm posting more images now <laughs> as we speak. They are... Uh... <laughs> they have Witcher, the Witcher books too, which I've heard are pretty good. Never read them myself, but heard good things about them. Yeah, that that right there is some Henry Cavill ass. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to look. Not, uh, I don't, not I don't know if it's on, safe. One of my favorite, not to harp on one of my favorite franchises, but speaking of books based on video games, a lot of the books uh, in the Halo universe are really enjoyable. You know, I've never read those either. I know they have a Gears of War comic, which I've been keeping my eye on, but that's about it. That's the one with the green helmet guys, huh? <laughs> I'm just joking. No, that's <laughs> <Christ-liness>. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
Just joking. Oh. <laughs> I, I can't wait until we make him play fucking Halo. And, yeah. It's going to be a little bit, bit of a shock. Oh, Interesting. We're going to get our ass kicked because I'm going to be laughing half the time. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting fact, though. One cone of ice cream can be finished off in 50 licks. Fifty licks. I was looking for that statistic earlier. Fifty. It's the exact amount that it could be finished in. What a glorious age we live in. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Halo, uh I was looking around because I saw a mod for it uh brings it to four K textures and sixty frames a second. So I was like, Oh, that's kinda cool. Be neat to, to mod the original Halo and play it again on PC. Because I have no idea what happened to my copy. Um, $140. For $140? A for, for a copy of Halo 1 on PC on Amazon. $140 brand new. It'd be like a CD, right? You get a physical copy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, with the code. Oh, and the code can only be used 10 times. <laughs> So there's a whole bunch of used ones, but how many times have they used the code? <laughs> Good lord. I remember, remember when um, I remember Mass Effect 1. I remember <laughs> Assassin's Creed, the original game, when DRM was practically brand new. And they were telling us, yeah, yeah here's your... Oh, uh, I remember exactly. I still have my case, my physical copy of Mass Effect 1. It comes with two keys. Because they're like, okay, you can only use these keys three times. So if you want to install it more than three times, here's a second key for you to start using. This is like, what is this shit? <laughs> yes. Remember Amazing. back in the college doc when Parker used to play Halo on his Mac? Oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't thought about that in years. First of all, I hadn't I hadn't even thought about how he had a Mac. I imagine I must have made fun of him for that. <laughs> Why wouldn't it was you? Hilarious because he had like the top of the line tower. You remember how massive yes. that fucking thing was? Yeah, it, it was. I it mean, was. this was back. This was back in like the you know late aughts. So this was like two thousand seven. Yeah. Or two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven. He had like the Power Mac towers those things ran like three grand and he fucking we, we just like played video like all he did was play video games and like torrent like, yeah. movies and shit and he never <laughs> used it for anything it was like for that amount of money you know you could have built like a sweet pc gaming rig that would have let you play a lot more games and would have lasted you probably twice as this long guy, as this thing will this guy did no graphics editing, no video editing, nothing that you need a $3,000 Mac tower. Yeah, it was the kind that came with, um, what was the big, like 16 gigs of RAM back in 2007 was considered just obscene amounts of RAM. It was so big. And it was the, uh, the, <laughs> the kind of Mac tower where if you opened up the side of it, they actually had plastic molding. Uh, forming a tube that the fans blew air through, so it would cool your hard drives first, and then it would move down to your body, and then it would—it you know, was basically a big S of plastic, and it shot out the the back. And it was a very fancy, very fancy computer that 
would have been a nightmare to try and add components to because that's what Mac does. Macs are not built to be upgradable. They're built to be what they are, period. So yeah, I do remember that now because he had the side off of it for a while when we were watching Balstar uh, over in his room. Battlestar Those were the days. Oh, that was back <laughs> when Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. It was coming out. Still, one of the most poignant memories of college was the night of the mouthful of unfulfilling falafel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Inside jokes. Uh, yep. Inside jokes that we're not going to talk about because it's not for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mouthful of unfulfilling falafel. <laughs> yeah, speaking of expensive games, though, um, there's an Atari game. I don't know if anybody remembers Extraterrestrials for Atari 2600. It was uh, one of the last Atari games to come out after the uh, video game crash of 84. And not super popular, but it is a very rare Atari game for the Atari 2600, and it is going for $90,000 on eBay. Is that all? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I, I was thinking about. I, I was thinking about buying it for you, Leetness, and sending it to you as a joke. But uh, it kind of exceeds my five dollar budget for any gag gift I get for you. <laughs> I was just going to get two copies, in case the other one. Yeah. <laughs> in case the the first one wears out. Yeah. Going to be playing a lot of extraterrestrials. First, I've got to find a uh, Atari twenty six hundred. <laughs> I was going to ask, yeah. did, has anyone here played Atari, uh, Atari, any of the Ataris, or have any favorite Atari yes. games? I mean, a long, 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 long time ago, I played one a few times, but no memories of it. I did in, in the UK. What was your favorite game? Beast. It was called Beast. Beast? Yeah. Uh, X-Men game? Uh, Beast Atari. Let's see if I can pull it up. Was a Shadow of the Beast. Yeah, that's it, I think. No? Yes? No, it's just Beast. Yes, there it is. Sort of empty Beast. It, it was actually called Shadow of the Beast. Um, but it, on the on the title, on the box art, it just said Beast. Uh, and what, he played an 8-bit Beast who uh, ate pixels? Yeah, it was just like a side-scrolling platformer type game, and um, you were this beast. And I, I can't even remember what the premise of the game was, but it was <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. I just remember wanting to play that all the time. This is great. We're doing like a video game review for a video game that Linus played 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, you're, it's a side-scroller, you're a beast, and you do beast things. It was really fun. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, 10 or 12 when, it, when I played it. Wait, when I was 10 or 12, I was playing... Uh, oh, no, it was probably it was probably um, <clears throat> Number Munchers for the Power Mac 7100 that we had, because, uh, yeah, my first computer in the house was also a Mac. Actually, the first computer in the house was an Apple IIe. And then we moved yep. up to the Power Max 7100. But yeah. I'm not sure the Apple IIe counts. 
It does. Hey, it had Oregon Trail and Number Munchers, and uh, there was this bear game. I can't remember what it was, but it, uh, on the cover, it was a learning game that had these bears, and they taught you how to spell and do math and fractions and multiplication tables, uh, all that. I forget what they're called. It had Shuffle Puck. It did have it Shuffle had, Puck. It had the, I forget the name of the game, but it was like you had a little guy hanging off a helicopter, and you dropped him, and you tried to land him in a little cart full of hay. That was like rolling across the bottom of the screen and he would fall and you would try and land him in that and like he would get slowed down by clouds because that's how physics works right um um yeah dude, there was a bunch of games <laughs> there was a, a, a you say that there was another game that i played it was on the apple 2e but it, it was such a big deal because um for some reason our computer had a joystick and it was just the joystick and two buttons on the side of it and that was the whole piece of equipment and there was this game where you were flying a chopper and you had to cross into enemy lines, you had to land, you had to pick up uh, POWs and they would run into your helicopter while, while people were shooting at you and you had to like defend the helicopter and then you would pick, uh, fly the helicopter back out and land it and drop the POWs off and you just went back and forth and back and forth the whole time. There was like no way to win the game. It was just how many times could you do that before your helicopter blew up. I haven't thought about that game in years. Wow. But yeah, no, I was going to say okay. Odell Down Under. When I was 10, 11, I was probably playing Odell Down Under, if anybody remembers that game. Wonderful game. You're in a submarine. And uh, just exploring. Exploring the ocean, avoiding nasty fishes, solving puzzles to open doors to get into next next areas. But yeah, so I was reading up on this $90,000 Atari game. Yep. It seems a little questionable, we'll say. Um, <laughs> apparently, it's one of only two privately owned copies of the game. And it came from an era when literally anybody was able to make an Atari game. Yeah, which so, unfortunately led to the crash. Yeah, so it's not like this is some crazy good game by some, you know, special publisher that somehow all the copies got lost or destroyed or something. This is just like some guy who made a couple copies of the game and there's not many out there that have been made. Right. Yeah, it's not, it's definitely not winning any awards. It's not... Uh, made out to be a very good game or a very fun game, but it is very rare. You can buy an Atari 2600 for $11. $11 is not bad. Maybe that's just a bit. Something that actually huh. confuses me um, is that... Um, Oh, no, okay, all right, this doesn't confuse me. Um, it says 87% of Americans have ice cream in their freezer, and then there's a, there's a tag at the bottom of that that says, at any given time. So that just means that 87% of Americans at any given time have ice cream. I thought it said 87% of Americans have their ice cream in the freezer, as opposed to somewhere else. <laughs> I'm looking at the exact same fact. Uh, yeah, so America loves ice cream. Yep. I mean, so much so that 9% of all milk produced in the U.S. is used to make ice cream. 
That is very interesting. And also, would you, uh, would anyone like to hazard a guess at what the most popular ice cream topping is, besides leetness? <laughs> um. Ah, oh, fuck. Nuts. Not D's nuts. nuts. Good, good guess. Not D's nuts, though. It's gotta be chocolate syrup, right? Yeah, correct, Omega. Chocolate oh, syrup is the not only true. America's most popular, but the world's most popular ice cream topping. Huh. There you have it. Vanilla ice cream and chocolate syrup is actually very good. You I can do just, like, um... I don't know. You can skip all that and just yeah, you have chocolate ice cream, but there's something there's something that's missing. No, it's different. It is different. It's not the same at all. Yeah. So there we go. We're uh, we're half an hour into the podcast and we're completely out of topics. Oh no no no, no we're not. Here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no we're not. Nintendo Nintendo is investigating 5G for Switch. Um, investigating in quotation marks because they haven't made any firm plans yet, but they are more and more interested in uh, mobile online gaming. So being able to uh, play Mario Kart with your friends wherever you want, or being able to play Warframe with your friends wherever you want on the Switch. So that would be interesting. But Gobi brought up a point um, before we started talking about this. Gobi, if you want to talk about that again. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to buy a new Switch. Period. Yeah, There's likely. no way that the Switch <laughs> came with the 5G radio already in it. Like. Yep. Well, that was oh. my first thought. Where it's like, oh yeah, they're they're investigating five G because they want to sell another how many million units. Right. Mm. Yeah. But the concept, I maintain that the concept is still pretty cool. Having a uh, a five G uh, device that you can game on that's got twice the horsepower of a phone and lots of Nintendo games. The real question they is going to be. Are are they going to implement some sort of new cell phone data regime or planning or something like that? Or is it just going to be tacked onto existing cell phone networks? Because I can imagine gaming data would get pretty expensive. Can you, can you imagine the synergy that Nintendo could have if they partnered with a major carrier in the U.S. or uh, in any country? Yeah. That's definitely going to happen. There's, there's no way they're going to bundle it into costs. Just the, the price of um, data alone, is, is, it's not, uh, I mean, that's where they're going to make a ton of money. Use Google Project Fee and uh, just include it with their the yearly fee. Or make billions of dollars by charging people for it. <laughs> That's right. Or partner with T-Mobile so that we can see ads about how you can pair your Switch on their new 5G networks. Yeah. And therein lies the problem. Uh, if they only go with T-Mobile, there will be people that can't use it. Like me, for example. Would never be able to connect. Yeah. It, I, I just said them just because their, their commercials are the most... Uh, Actually, Sprint and T-Mobile both do a pretty good job of making very modern uh, ads with a young target audience. Uh, but I, I imagine that if Nintendo were, were going to do something about this, and remember, we're just speculating. We don't actually know, and none of this has been covered. 
uh, if they did do something like that, they'd have to look at a network that had the most coverage, on average, the most coverage in the U.S., or you know, have two or three that had the most coverage, and then uh, take out bids, see who would do it for the cheapest, see who they could uh, make the most money with. I don't know. Yeah, Honestly, I mean, Verizon. What might be probably easier your... for them to do is just add a SIM card slot, and you could buy a SIM card from whatever carrier that you have. Also, yeah, also a good plan. But now some sim, some carriers are going SIM card free. I just got my new Google phone, and um, I used to have, well, on my, my previous phone, I had the Project Fi SIM card. And um, when I set up this new phone last week, it let me do a SIM card free setup. And there's like, I think, four different networks that, that it supported no SIM card setup. So might not even be necessary in the future. I'm just curious with a device like that, how do they do they just have a flat rate every month that you pay? For cell phone service? Yeah, well, for, project, for for no for no SIM card phones. It. Oh no, it's your service it's plan an, is your service plan. They just it's an e they register your they're they're able to register your phone with your like account information basically so you don't need the sim card but gotcha. it's still your same your same plan gotcha yeah so there you go maybe uh whatever as i said th that was all speculation and you know worst case scenario of nintendo wanting to make as much money as possible they could actually have a much more elegant solution in mind but 5g for the switch maybe maybe a, a ways off if it even happens and nintendo decides to go in that route because they could just make well it. we just we just talked about nintendo and the possibility of uh 5g cellular the plan and stuff and we talked about the xbox gaming pass earlier in the podcast what are you guys thoughts on subscriptions in gaming seems to be the new fad yeah this this uh came up at e3 this year um more than a couple times. Um, I'm not a fan of subscription-based games, but that's just me talking from back in the day when uh, WoW came out and had subscriptions, and I was like, no thanks. Yeah, but I mean, I, there's there's certain instances where I'm, I'm kind of keen for it, especially with the like you pay you play plus. If I look at that, and you get a hundred Ubisoft games, plus I get to play like. Um, the division two and all these games that i don't i'm probably only going to play a few hours i typically buy them and only play for a few hours and then it's like kind of a waste of my money right or Whereas 15 bucks a month and i just install whatever i want and move on if i don't like it sort of thing i, I kind of like that yeah and you play has the the origin access sorry uh origin has that as well and that is that is really uh, good for people that like to try out, you know, as you said, try out games, play as many as that you want, and you don't have to buy them and keep them forever if you don't like them. Yeah, especially with all the content packs and stuff like that that are coming out nowadays and the way that they're, they're licensing games, it almost seems better to go with a monthly plan than you can do all of these games and all the content for that set price a month. But I don't like the model either. I think it is kind of, 
it's pushing people into that subscription model, but I, I, I totally get why they're doing it as a business. You get that guaranteed income. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at Netflix and Amazon and, you know, Hulu's success. I mean, clearly people want it. Yeah. Yeah. It works. Yeah. I mean, it works good. The only thing I worry um, about is when you got that, that, that steady stream of income and you've got a huge library of 100 games, where, where's the pressure to actually now bring out good top-of-the-line titles that people actually want to play? Because now you don't have to make any sales. You've got the, the, the subscription model. Well, the problem for me really comes in where you're combining a $60 AAA price point with the need to have a subscription on top of it. Like, it's one thing if you're charging a subscription for a game that's free up front or for a library of, you know, older games like, you know, the Xbox Games Pass or the Uplay Pass or stuff like that. It's another thing, like, you know, this article that talks about, um, it talks about Division 2, you know, you pair it with these other things, which cost an extra 25 a month. So you're paying out the ass up front for a AAA game, and then you're also paying a monthly service on fee on top of that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, I, and I'm not in the uh, article that's that we're looking at on Wired, uh, I didn't see anything about actually like paying a flat subscription fee and then paying for game titles on top of that. I agree. That is just shitty. And I don't think that model would work. I think people just try to buy the game and play whatever and skip the subscription. But if they locked it uh, or if they locked content behind the subscription and you could only play maybe one game mode, um, that would be that would be horseshit. My my whole deal with this is that we have you brought up Netflix. Netflix is a prime example. So you pay your subscription to Netflix. Was is still like ten bucks a month? Yeah, and, uh, fourteen, fifteen. Um, yeah, all right, fifteen a month. Uh, and then you have access to you know everything that's on there. You can watch whatever you want. You can watch nothing. Um, it doesn't matter. You you just have access to this whole library. So from that standpoint. If Uplay was to start charging people a subscription, like $10 a month, for access to everything that came out, that would be fair. But as Leetness says, that takes pressure off of them because it's now, it's no longer how many AAA titles you can sell, it's how many new subscribers can you get for these titles that are coming out. And I admit, it would take a while for you to reach a saturation point, but you eventually would, and then what the fuck is your business model? So. Yeah. <laughs> the good news is Uplay seems to have found its model, and it's not really a subscription. Um, these are the, the year passes for content, for games. You know, any their games last forever. I mean, Rainbow Six is still a thing. Like Siege is still a pretty hugely played game, and it came out how many years ago now? Four. Is that Something right? Like that. Yeah, I mean, the Division 2 got support for, like, three years. I mean, Ghost Recon Wildlands is still getting support. Um, that came out a couple of years ago. Like, they support it, but they also give, like, um, both Rainbow Six Siege and Ghost Recon, they have a year pass. 
or a season pass, whatever, and it usually lasts about a year. Um, and it gives you access to the extra stuff they add in the multiplayer. You can buy the stuff by playing the game. It just takes you forever, and the season passes are usually shortcuts. They're also only like 20, I think 20 or 30 bucks, so it's not like a AAA title for the season pass. Yeah. And they seem to, I mean, I don't mind that model because I don't necessarily buy the season passes, but for the people that do want them, there. You know, something about the subscription model, I think if you take a step back from that and look at sort of the bigger picture, it's kind of symptomatic of the entire game industry as a whole. I mean, once upon a time, you bought a game, you owned that game, a physical thing that you could and it was done. play with. There's no one alive and... today that believes you. That couldn't have been a thing. <laughs> well, you know, now you look no at the market one and Half the games out there are in early access or open betas or alphas. You right. know, there's tons of games out there that are in continual development, um, lasting years. There are, you know, games out there that are just perpetually being upgraded and fixed and, you know, patched and just th this continual rolling model that is unfortunately i mean it's going to be the future of gaming so that's pretty much just how it's going to be i mean and you know there was a lot of talk of, you know a couple of years back and it's kind of died out but you know at a certain point everybody realized like oh we don't actually own games anymore we're just basically paying money to have a right to play them and that right can be rescinded at any point uh yeah it was right after a big game like this servers just shuttered i remember that i can't remember what game it was though but yeah i mean that's another reason why i love gog drm free games like you know it might not be brand new titles some of them are but i own it it's mine still able yeah, to do but that. i mean that only lasts so long like you said as the the servers are kept running or yeah yeah, it's, yeah, so uh, even with I mean, that, at a certain point, I feel like that that argument though died a long time ago when with Steam. I mean, Steam has been around long enough for us to all realize that digital gaming is the future, not buying physical copies oh, sure. anymore. I mean, uh, yeah. Initially, when I first started buying games in Steam, when I was under the hundred games mark, I'm now like close to three hundred, I think. Um, when I was under that 100 mark, it was always a, what, if, what happens if Steam goes away sort of thing. I lose all of these games that I've spent money on. But uh, I think as gaming's evolved, you, you get more and more comfortable, especially with specific platforms. There is obviously that chance, but I'm sure there'll be so many lawsuits if, if Steam were to ever go out of business and just shut down their servers and you weren't able to access any of the games there'd have to yeah, be some sort to, of there'd have to be some sort of means to actually trendy. get a, a download of your games before, or send you a notice saying hey we're shutting down so make sure you get all the games you want and we'll disable any kind of requirements for you to i mean you'd, you'd hope yeah. that's what they'd do yeah, yeah. i mean yeah uh, yeah the one one thing we didn't touch on is uh, Google's new uh, streaming 
the Strata platform. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Actually, just before we, we get into that, I wanted to say for, um, I had this idea a, a while ago, but it's, a lot of it, I guess, would be based off Warframe. Um, I'm, I'm sort of tired of uh, a AAA title coming out, paying $60, between $60 and $100, sometimes more than $100 for it, and then, uh, you know, getting like the season pass, quote unquote, so I can get the DLC that comes after that, even if I don't want it or if I risk buying DLC one after the other when it comes out. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of talking about a subscription-based service where, you know, you sign up and you have, like, all this, you know, stuff in a row to play. What I want is uh, TV episodes, video games as TV episodes. So you have, you have a video game that comes out. You have the skull or the the bones you have the bones of what the game is and all the mechanics inside of it like warframe did all those years ago and then if people like it make it like ten dollars make it ten dollars to buy the intro of the game and maybe it's only a couple hours of gameplay but if people like it line up the next episode and charge another ten dollars for it and just add on to the program that you already have expand the story and keep on going through it and that i think is a really I think it's a way for developers to sort of test the waters, see if their content is something that people are interested in, and if they can keep it going and make more and more money off of it. If you start off with a quality product that people respond to, and then just charge people, maybe then get into your subscription thing, charge people uh, you know, a subscription to be a part of this project going forward, and then have monthly or bi-monthly content coming out and just add on to it little by little, expand the game, make it bigger and bigger, and you can keep that going for years. And you've already got, you know, you have your, your engine and your game mechanics all set up from the beginning, and you can add on to them and add more to them as you go on. I'd love to see something like that. I mean, isn't that just basically the DLC model, just shifting the price points around a little bit? Yeah, except for in the DLC models, you're coming out with... Um, Ah, shit. How did I... I already thought about this, too. <laughs> Think about the DLC that came out for The Division. It was. It was different game modes, and you could, you know, you could pay money for them if you didn't have the season pass, and you could skip over them if you didn't want to. But, uh, yeah, maybe it is shifting price models around just a little bit. At the same time, it didn't do anything to really expand the lore of the universe the story bring in people you know that's how mass effect got people so interested and sucked in those were standalone games for christ's sake um stuff like that yeah we should talk about not made good dlc and really good dlc all fucking day long it's true yeah sorry google streaming service <laughs> we're all good uh actually i was just reading up on it i never even like really paid much attention but uh they're speaking of that once you purchase the game you own the right to play it in the future it is possible that some games may no longer become available for new purchases but ex existing players will still be able to play the game so that's at least a positive yeah and it only starts at 129 bucks i'm sure there's an internet connection requirement that i don't fit so <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, I could play at 720p, 60 frames a second in stereo. To do 1080p, 
HDR video, 60 frames per second, and 5.1 surround, you need 20 megabytes per second. And of course, 35 megabytes a second or faster will get you HDR video, 60 frames a second, and 5.1 surround with 4K. Hmm. I, yeah. I guess I could. I don't know. I don't own a TV that has resolution that good. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not alone, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm getting a 2K monitor, but I'm not ready to jump to 4K yet. You know, 1080p does it for me. It also makes streaming easier. I like 16-bit. <laughs> I prefer 32-bit <laughs> applications. <laughs> yeah. 32-bit me, please. 720p is too too much. Can't handle it. Can't, Can't handle the frames. I need like three frames per second. <laughs> I need one of those monitors that's got the 1024 by 768 resolution where all the font has been blown up to double size so everything is just huge on your on your tiny monitor. I want a guy with flashcards standing in front of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trying to place a, a side play, uh, yeah, trying to play a side scroller game. This guy's yeah, exactly. just flashing flashcards <laughs> up at you to try and make it look like it's moving. <laughs> oh, that's, stream, that's a good streaming service right there. Another guy behind him is drawing <laughs> frantically. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. you just employed two people. Hey, so, jobs, right? man. Right? Oh, man. I could always re reappropriate my, my programmers. <laughs> To a new new title. Card holders. <laughs> Your card holders. Oh, speaking of card holders, uh, one in ten people admit to licking the bowl clean after eating ice cream. Five out of one. Five to one. <laughs> five, five out of one. <laughs> one in five. He's a sober one, guys. Oh, gosh. I'm tired, dude. One in five oh. let their dog lick the ball. And uh, Purina actually has pee. Purina has their own dog-friendly ice cream called Frosty Paws. It's almost like Frosty that. Pants. Almost. <laughs> almost. Do <sighs> we that time? Is it time for the round table? No, we got, one, one, we got one more thing. There's one more topic. <laughs> oh, yeah? Who, who wants what's to that, introduce what's that? it? Um, I don't know. Somebody that likes to talk about this topic, I think, should probably bring it up. Oh, are you talking about Warframe? Are we talking about Warframe? No, <laughs> let's talk about Warframe. I'd love to talk about Warframe. Yeah, so uh, Tenocon. Tenocon's going on right now, Tenocon 2019, and they're uh, announcing the Empyrean expansion. Empyrean expansion has to do with Railjack. That's where you get your own spaceship and you get to fight epic space battles. Uh, it's going to be pretty badass. It's a new ship for you to... Uh, to putz around in and upgrade and hopefully decorate, pour pour vast numbers of resources into so that you have to grind even more. It's gonna, oh, it's just gonna be the best. And we also have something <laughs> called the uh, Duviri paradox coming out, 
which is uh, a new, I believe it's a new open world on uh, another planet, so another open map for us to roam around in. And this one is going to be very dark. So we're going to have equine mounts, uh, not really horses, but kind of horses, in a modern, uh, monochrome world. It's very dark, very gray. Uh, there, are uh, oh, there is a space dragon and very unnerving technology scattered around, and it's, it's going to be spoopy. Real spoopy. And we're also getting the new war. The new war is coming out. I heard somebody try to talk there, but I'm not going to let you. New war <laughs> is coming out where the sentients are returning. They are returning to the system, and it is time for the Tenno to fight them again. And we can expect a narrative chapter to precede Imperion uh, in the first release schedule, which is uh, supposed to be Christmas this year. And uh, besides that, Nightwave Series 2 has started. A bunch of okay rewards this time around. Got some mods, got your Forma and your Orkin cells and all the rest of that. You also get uh, operator armor, operator, you know, stuff uh, if you make it all the way to the end. And I think there's an ephemera in there as well. That's a new thing that you can slap in your Warframe. It makes it, you know, seethe power or just have nice little effects coming off of it when you walk and move around. And part shiny. of Nightwave 2, it is shiny. Oh, there's so much glitter. Um, and <laughs> the, the new Nightwave is introducing um, a character here, uh, colloquially called the Emissary. And he is a, uh, a child that apparently has the ability to heal the infestation, which uh, is going to be interesting if they pair that with the new war, because sentients do not like uh, infested technology, and Warframes are infested technology. Spoilers, by the way. Not really, but a little. Uh, if you just started playing last you? week, then yeah. You ruined my space engine. Thank you. <laughs> How could you? So yeah, all that, all that, so and a little a bit space more. Space dragon, seriously? Yeah, space dragon. There, uh, that's that's just brand. <laughs> I have no idea what the space dragon is, but I really want to see it uh, and possibly fight it. Yeah, all that and more at Tenacon this week. Uh, you can still buy a Tenacon pass and watch their panels and all the rest of that, or you can just wait a little while, and they usually upload this stuff for free on either Twitch or YouTube or both. Yeah, I saw some of the, the video footage from the gameplay of, of that new expansion. It looked, looked quite uh, interesting. They, they also did some graphical overhauls. Yes. Uh, on, they... on, the, on the shading and the, the lighting and all that. Yeah, the shading and the lighting in the orbiter now match uh, areas in the rest of the game. So you have, it, it looks much more in place with the universe. It's very, uh, it's cozy now. It's really nice. It's pretty. And the best thing about all this content is that it's absolutely for free. You don't have to pay anything for any of this. It's all coming out. You can just download Warframe for free and play all of this. No money. But... If you do get what is it, a ninety percent off platinum, I I recommend using that. If, if that you one. get yeah, seventy five percent off, I think is is as high as it goes or the highest. Or maybe seventy five. Yeah. Yes. If you get seventy five percent off platinum, go ahead and buy yourself some platinum. Throw a couple dollars DE's way because they do. They give all this stuff to us for free. Oh, and you can spend twenty bucks, and that game's worth way more than twenty bucks. I think you'll definitely get $20 for the content out of it. Yeah. I'm um, looking here. I am at 1,182 <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> hours in Warframe. 
I think I'm actually past uh, division. Where is it? Division is only 1,041 hours. But no, also, that's wrong. Uh, I played more than that. We won't get into that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. The, the, the point is, I, I played a lot of Warframe, and yeah, $20 for over 1,000 hours of content, that's not, not ridiculous. For uh, those of you that don't know, um, there's a huge debate on the division on how many hours you actually played on PC, because Steam will tell you one thing, you play will tell you something else, and in-game will tell you something completely different than the first two. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually checked Uplay. I, I, would, I would open up Uplay, but it's been so long, it probably needs to update and ask me for my password again, and I ain't got time for that shit. Ain't nobody oh, got time for that. You play just had a fun bug where it said that you were signed in from some other computer, and it was actually you play not being able to connect with servers instead, but it just threw that error because you know that's a cool error to throw. Might freak out a couple of people, make them change the passwords. Yep, definitely change my password. Uh, one cow gives enough milk to make uh, two gallons of ice cream per day. That's, what, 740 gallons a, a year? Very close. It's 730 gallons per year. You're very close, though. Mm. A lot of ice, ice cream. There's a lot of free fucking ice cream around me. Ice cream is delicious. I might actually go have some. I don't have any in my freezer. <laughs> you then you. You are one of the thirteen percent of Americans who do not have ice cream right now. I don't. Uh, look at Lena being. Yeah, look at Lena's being special. The, yeah. I have ice cream and sherbet. Is it? I said that right, right? I don't know how to. I just call it sherbet. Yes, sherbet. Sherbet shalom. Shabbat. Yeah, why not? Okay, fine. It's Shabbat. Delicious Shabbat. <laughs> Gotta have the rainbow-colored one, though. Is there any other kind? <laughs> I don't know. Is there? I don't know. I'm a purist. <laughs> so I, I believe in the rainbow. Now, Sherbet, because what you guys call Sherbet is not what we call Sherbet in South Africa. We call it, we call it something else. I'm not even entirely certain that... Um, I know I... what Sherbert is. It's so bad. <laughs> what the f That doesn't help. That's like how many gills are in a pint. What the fuck does that tell you? <laughs> gills in a pint. It is, it is a sorbet, isn't it? What? Okay, it's S-H-E-R-B-E-T. Yeah, yeah. That's what we call a dried powder in South Africa. Yeah, it's definitely not a dried powder. Mm -hmm. That's... <laughs> It is. What's the? Can you say dried powder in Afrikaans? Druk. Oh, jeez, I don't remember what powder is. Puder? I think it's puder. Why the fuck do we have you on this podcast? <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I need. I need to learn more languages. Switch. This. This is what the people at home care about. Yeah. I don't. I don't even remember that. Fuck my my Afrikaans is dying. 
I know what would help uh, you remember, though, is uh, if we all did the round table. Gobi. Oh, first console I ever owned would have been a Nintendo, and uh, first PC shortly after would have been some Hewitt Packard piece of crap. But hey, I played Duke Nukem, so Holy I'm crap. good. You and I both had HPs. I had a, a pavilion yep. that I customized because it came with an AGP port. I had a pavilion uh. once. <laughs> yeah, ours is the Windows 3.1 edition. And then I uh, built a computer shortly after that with an AGP, AGP port in it for my Voodoo 2. For the uh, kids listening, an, AG, an AGP port is an accelerated <laughs> graphics port that used to be a dedicated PCI slot, uh, which took a a sort of very early prehistoric video game card. <laughs> or video graphics card, sorry. Yes. 3DFX Voodoo. Jeez, that was... Megabyte. Any, that was several years into my game. Uh, again, for the youngins out there, a PCI slot is a peripheral component interface slot. Uh, some motherboards <laughs> still have them. You used to be able to plug things like, uh, what, modems? Graphic cards. No, no. Uh, you, well, yeah, okay, you could use very basic graphics cards in PCI ports, but for the really yep. snazzy ones, you needed that AGP. And yep, uh, yep. mostly a PCI was used for a modem. Uh, later on, wireless card because motherboards weren't coming with wireless on them, or for uh, USB 1.0. USB was a big deal. <laughs> or zip drives, serial drives. That's right. You could uh, put a serial card in uh. your PCI port and hook a zip drive up to it so that you had basically a fat floppy disk that had 100 megabytes of storage on it. A hundred megabytes! <laughs> They were fucking awesome. They were amazing. I remember the drives. That was that was those. The first ones that I ever used on a PC though was the eight-inch floppy disks. Eight, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, yes. I had the five and a quarter. Oregon Trail. Yeah, five and a quarter and number muncher. <laughs> uh, number munchers and uh, Oregon Trail came on five and a quarter floppies. I had Wolfenstein. Yes. Wolfenstein 3D on none of them. It was I remember saving up for Wolfenstein 3D. I, I got it from a friend. What was the what was the capacity on a five and a quarter? Was it 512 KB? Oof, I Something don't like that. remember. I just remember that it was um, a huge deal when three and a half inch floppies came out and they were 1.44 megabytes. Yes, yes. Yeah, the, they were. Yeah, yeah the, they were 1.44, and then the floppy disk was. I can't remember how big they were. In uh, 1840, the ice cream churn was invented. That had to suck. Five yeah. and a quarter inch. That's just what it was. Not eight inch. It was five and a quarter. You're right. Eight-inch disk drive was how big it was. Damn. The disk drive. Yeah. Um, it was like an A-Track tape player. <laughs> Put it in a computer. 
I bet that the uh, computer that you hooked up that 8-inch drive to had ISA slots on the motherboard. And for all you kids out there, ISA stands for Industry Standard Architecture. It was the universal uh, precursor to PCI slots. 240 kilobytes. On a five and a half. Yeah, uh, but they right. increased over time up to 1.2. I can almost fit my avatar for uh, GS onto one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah the... I don't. I don't think it can. Then you got the three and a three and a half inch floppy disk that came out. That's that's the one that more common one. I just miss yeah. all the puns how, that we can make about those... floppies. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, what was your first one, Nigel? Your first floppy. <laughs> My first floppy. <laughs> My first floppy was a five and a quarter that came on my Apple IIe. Actually, it didn't even come in the Apple IIe. You had to have external drives because the body of the computer was basically just a block with a keyboard on it, and then you sat a box vacuum tube monitor on top of it. So you had to have your floppy drives up. That was my first computer was the Apple IIe. My first gaming computer was the HP Pavilion that had, um, I think, 256 megabytes of RAM. That was like cray. It was so cray. Uh, it had the AGP port. It had a 512 megabyte. Oh no, it had a um, 25. It had a 5 gigabyte hard drive and a 25 gigabyte hard drive that I installed myself because that was the biggest drive that you could buy. I was so pumped for that, and I kept all my computer games on that one, <laughs> like like SimCity and uh, <laughs> Quake. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, do you remember when you could fit multiple games on a 25 gigabyte hard drive? Yes, oh, it was glorious. I had a whole library. Oh, fuck. Uh, the first and console that I point... ever owned was a Nintendo Wii. I didn't buy a console until the Wii came out. Oh, wow. I just went to my friend's house and played their, their PS1 or their uh, Sega Genesis. Damn. Good times. I went from Nintendo to Xbox. It's kind of a leap. Well, yeah. I was PC in between. Oh, okay. I went Nintendo and then I built my first PC. <sighs> and then later Halo came out and... Yeah. Had to get a console. And I had to play Halo. Played some great games on that on that pavilion. Yeah, my first was a Commodore 64. Old school. And then I moved into my first. That was my first, like I guess, PC. And then um, I went into an NES. And then a Super Nintendo. And what games? What games did you play on the uh, Commodore? Uh, one of my favorites was Goblins and Dragons. I think it was, no, Goblins and Ghouls, I think it was. Let's search my list again. Oh, Wait. Goblins and... I think it was Ghouls.
Not ghosts. Ghosts and goblins. ghosts and goblins. Ghosts and goblins. That's the one. This. You know what? Uh, this looks way better than I thought it was gonna. I can see why you might have liked this game. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I can't remember what else I used to play. That was one of my favorites on on the Commodore. Um, there were quite a few that I played on there. I think Mega Man was on there as well. Uh, yeah, there was quite a lot. Yeah, there were. Ghosts and Goblins was a lot of fun though. They want to play. Spend a lot of time doing that. Oh, and Golden Axe wasn't Golden Axe on? Golden Axe was either on there or it was one of my early gaming consoles. Yeah, Golden Axe was on there. Yeah, Golden Axe was the other one that I played a lot of. Loved that. Double Dragon. I think that may have been Nintendo though. On the on the on the top loaded console. Not the NES. Commodore 64. NES. Really, really underrated, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, it was. That was. It was weird. I, I played that in South Africa. That was my first machine I'd ever really played with. And then um, when I got to the UK, they had a Commodore 64 in, in like the the rec room at where all the kids go and play. So I've got to do it there as well. I haven't heard um haven't heard from Omega. First console. Yeah, my first console was a Super Nintendo. And the first game that I got on that was Mortal Kombat. Sweet. Um from there I got a Nintendo 64. Uh my first game was uh Doom 64, and then GameCube, and I don't remember my first GameCube game. It might have been Monkey Ball. Uh, might have been. I'm not sure, but after that, I went to uh, well, somewhere along the line, got my uh, first PC in my house. Like we talked earlier, I had a Apple IIe in my house when I was like really young, but that thing was a piece of shit. When I was around sixth grade or so, so I was like 11, um, my family got like an off the rack Acer PC. And uh, that was mainly used by me for Starcraft and Diablo II. Those are really my big PC games in that period of time. And then uh, got an Xbox. And uh, as college came around, got 360. And then I built a gaming computer and sold all of my video game consoles. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Nigel? Oh, you're the Apple II. Oh yeah, no, I, I was, uh, and I, I made a mistake. I got a console before the Wii. I got the PlayStation Two when they came out with the minified version. Oh. Um, I got the PlayStation Two oh. so that I could play um, Tony Hawk Pro Skater and <laughs> uh, Metal Gear Solid <laughs> and Tekken. Oh, that was a good game. Yeah, one of the Tekken games came out for PS Two around the same time that yeah. the, the mini version of the PS2 came out. 
I forgot that Mortal Kombat came out on a Nintendo Pro. Yeah. My first <laughs> Mortal Kombat was on the PlayStation handheld, the PlayStation Gear, I think it was called. I did play the first Mortal Kombat. I don't remember what system it was on, but it was at my friend's house down the street. Yeah. I was more of a Killer Instinct guy myself. I played it, I played all of the Mortal Kombat's when it was on PlayStation. Do you guys know that um, the Waffle Cone was uh, had its debut at the World's Fair in St. Louis, Missouri, in 1904? I did not no. know that. There you go. That's where the Waffle Cone comes from. Thank you, St. Louis. Way to go, Missouri. Yeah. You made it real under the arch. All right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Please, time, boys. Yep. We're going uh, to drink, drink more for the next one. Wait. Yes. Well, you guys need to keep up. I didn't hear. I, you didn't do the bottle thing. I don't even think that you're drinking because <laughs> there's no bottle pop. Yeah. It's all uh, lies if there's no bottle pop. Agreed. <laughs> uh, fake alcoholic. Bottle pop. You're a fake alcoholic. Fake. It's not an alcoholic at all. <laughs> Admitting that you have a problem. Stop pretending. Yeah, okay. Comes from the sober one. How many boxes of wine you had this week? None, because it's Monday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, all right. I look at it starting now. I'm re yeah, it's too late. Oh, I'm just stopping off. Sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> it was a long day, guys. Oh, I'm sure. Keep showing up you. late and all that fun stuff. All right. So, so yeah. Uh, all righty. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming, you guys. I appreciate having you. And uh, you guys take it easy. Have a good Have one. A good week, everybody. Until next week. See you. Bye. Bye.